My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. And that's when I realized the good news she was talking about. Well, I wonder this morning, as we start, I'll start with a question here. I wonder who it is that pushes your buttons, and how do they push your buttons? Because I think uh, we all have the ability to let people get under our skin, right? There are people that can push our, they know how to push our buttons, and, and, um, and, um, and how do they push them? I guess that's the question here. I'll, I'll read a, I read a story this week that maybe will help us relate, so I will share this story. This person's name is Mindy. Mindy and her husband Jack had some friends they met on a regular basis. Mindy said that whenever the couples would get together, she was left feeling invisible, her exact word. She said that it triggered in her feelings of rejection, also her word. She said she felt rejection because they were always consumed with themselves. They would talk about their lives and their interests and themselves and never showed any interest in what Mindy was doing or feeling. So Mindy said that every time she went home feeling ignored, neglected, and sad. She said after a number of years of enduring this non-reciprocal relationship, these, she decided it was best for her and Jack to break free from it. For the longest time, though, Mindy said that she couldn't figure out why this self-absorbed behavior bothered her so much. Eventually, the light bulb went off, and she said that she realized she kept hoping that one day this couple 
would validate her in the same way that she had always hoped one day that her father would validate her. You see, her biggest negative childhood trauma was feeling invisible and unworthy of her father's love. So anytime someone like this couple ignored her and she felt invisible, the little girl inside her felt pain. And I found that story both interesting, sad, and also relatable, really. Interesting because of the insight into how and why our buttons can be pushed. Sad because the young woman in this story, as I read her story, never seemed to come to the conclusion or the the point where she trusted her heavenly father to help her deal with this pain. And you could see this is all about her earthly father and the pain her earthly father caused us and or caused her. And yet the reality is our heavenly father wants to adopt us, as we said last week, into his family and help us find incredible joy. And then relatable because I think that we can all relate to the fact that people can push our buttons and we don't always know why they push our buttons or how they're pushing our buttons. We just know they are. There's a term I found here called trigger points. I've heard this term before. Maybe you have. What are trigger points? Here is the, well, here is the physical definition of trigger points. Sensitive areas of tight muscle fibers can form in your muscles after injuries over or overuse. These sensitive areas are called trigger points. A trigger point in a muscle can cause strain and pain throughout the muscle. When this pain persists and worsens, doctors call it myofascial pain syndrome and so you can go online and read about this and find a chart of your back and the the trigger points in your back when it comes to uh, trigger points and, and the pain that you feel but I heard somebody tell a story recently about how when they were growing up, they were in this uh, kind of this certain car accident growing up as uh, I think when they were first learning how to drive. And, and really the rest of their life now, whenever they enter a situation similar to that, when there's like a near kind of something on the highway or something you know, scares them, they can feel their whole body like tense up and they like can feel this trigger point, which would be more of an emotional trigger point, really. And I can kind of relate to that because I, this past week, driving, driving through Grand Haven and we were leaving somewhere downtown, me and Chad and Melissa, and uh, we ended up on the kind of the wrong road and we ended up circling around the lake there. And it was kind of stormy out. It wasn't really stormy, but the waves were kind of, the waves were kind of choppy and kind of high. It really wasn't a bad day. But those waves and that stormy weather immediately triggered in me, and I, I've shared, shared this before, I think, when I was four and five, we lived in Puerto Rico, and I just remember driving along the Caribbean Sea one time in a car, and it was really stormy, and there were like violent waves out there, and anytime I see just the slightest bit of, it just immediately grabs me inside, and I'm like, ooh, I, I get scared, I get afraid, I'm like, I, I can just see myself being dropped in the middle of that, and it's like, yeah, goodbye Bill, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> But, but we're all like that, right? We all have things like trigger points in our life and, and maybe there are spiritual trigger points and we're gonna talk about that in the context of the message today as we think about the positive side of trigger points. We're in our summer series, Fruitology. This is week four. It is generally a, a biblical study of the theology of spiritual fruit. More personally, it is how can we live a spiritually fruitful life? How we can live a spiritually fruitful life and of course the big idea behind this all is the spiritually fruitful life is the abundant life. We all want the abundant life. Christ came to bring us the abundant life and we all want the abundant life. Now what we said and and last week's message really is all these messages have kind of been foundational to understanding a little bit of the like there is like, like a theology behind understanding what it means to bear spiritual fruit. 
And last week's message was, was pretty, pretty important in, in looking at the, the concept of love, and it's online, as all these messages are. But we saw last week that there is one fruit and then nine flavors. Like love is the core fruit. It's like love is orange juice. And then there are all these derivatives. There's like tangerine OJ and mango OJ and coconut OJ and banana OJ and peach OJ and strawberry OJ and pineapple OJ and kiwi OJ. And all of them represent joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on in the fruits of the Spirit. So the, the core fruit is love. That's, that's the very essence of God we said last week. We talked about the very essence of who God is, is his love. That's the, that's the thing that defines him relative to nothing or no one else. He is love and he is light. And so we saw that last week and we're going to continue on today, looking today, the flavor today that we're going to look at is joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and we're going to see today, and, and I, as I got to the end of the message, even this morning writing this out, I was able to come, as I was writing just a conclusion this morning, I, it's like that's been the case lately. Like I get up on Sunday morning and God just gives me this paragraph that, that after everything is kind of settled, it's like here's the last thing to say at the end of the message. And he showed me at the end of the message why joy is number two. It's going to be pretty powerful to look at today as we look at the reality of the fruit of the spirit of joy. So we'll see today that joy is not simply an emotion coming from my soul, but it is a fruit coming through the Spirit. See, joy that flows from the essence of God is not merely an emotion of the soul. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And that's a big difference. In fact, I really, and I, <clears throat> I think uh, I make this point in, in the message, but I'll make it now, that I really don't think, if you don't know Christ, I don't know that you can experience genuine joy. I just don't think you can. I don't think you can experience genuine contentment apart from Christ. Like Christ is the one thing that everybody wants that, that is abundant life, that, that is content. And until you have him, you'll always have some level of discontentment in your life. And I don't think you can truly experience, you can experience happiness. Happiness is based on, right, our, our circumstances and, and our feelings and our emotions. But joy is something that comes truly from the spirit of Christ at work within us. And if you don't have Christ, I don't think you can experience genuine joy that the Bible talks about. <clears throat> now, the bottom line is, if you walk in the Spirit, then you will experience the joy of the Spirit. We talked about those two trees last week again, the tree of the Spirit here, uh, the tree of, uh, of the flesh over here. And if you're walking over here in the Spirit, you will, <clears throat> you will experience the fruit of the Spirit you will experience the joy of the Spirit. We're going to see today that joy is something that we can have regardless of our circumstances and that, and that joy is a fruit that can thrive in the harshest conditions, can spring from our relationships, is rooted in God's Word, and is uh, found in some of the most surprising places in our life. At the same time though, right? Remember that verse about abundant life. Maybe I put it on the, I think I did put it in here. <clears throat> If you walk in the Spirit, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Just know that. But here's, here's the verse, John 10, 10. Here's the, the verse about abundant life, and the fruitful life is the abundant life. But it says this in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So think of all the joy robbers in your life, right? Like Satan comes to steal your joy. And here's all the joy robbers, an argument or a fight, a cranky coworker, a rude motorist, an unkind word, a thoughtless act, a critical spirit, a negative attitude, a financial need, a broken vehicle, a broken appliance, a broken relationship. 
the wrong package, the wrong president, the wrong time. Cold fries, cold showers, cold shoulders. A lost job, a I can't stand you job, a I wish I had your job job, a forgotten birthday, a rainy vacation, an illness, you fill in the blank. Like Satan will find anything he can to steal your joy, to rob your joy. At the same time though, the Holy Spirit comes to bring us joy. And here's our big idea today. While Satan is the joy robber, the Spirit is the joy trigger. Like he is in your life, working in your life to trigger a joyful response. He is. Whenever the Spirit is present, you can expect joy to be right there. I'll show you a great example in Scripture. We're not going to look at these verses because we don't really have the time to, 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 to look at them. But I want you to think about, think about this. So here's the story. Mary has just been told she's going to bear the, 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 the baby Jesus. She's going to be pregnant with the Christ child. Like, wow. And so she immediately goes to her older cousin, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth, six months prior to this, she miraculously got pregnant with John the Baptist. So she's bearing John, carrying John the Baptist, and, and Mary walks in. Mary's like probably, I would say, a week to two or three weeks old along with, with uh with the baby Jesus, Elizabeth is six months along. And she stays with Elizabeth for those three months. But when she walked, you remember what happens? And he read, and Rick read it for us earlier. When she walked into the presence of, Je- into the presence of Elizabeth, what happened? Well, the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt for joy. Because, because she just walked in the room. And, and you got to picture it. The Bible tells us that when John was conceived, the Holy Spirit was in him from the moment he was in the womb. So the Holy Spirit is in, is, in, uh, is in John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth. Then it tells us that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when, when Mary walked in the room. Probably an internal filling, like he's just filled from the inside with the Holy Spirit. But then G- Jesus, he has the Spirit and he's in Mary. And so they walk in and there's this collision of, of all of this going. And the Holy Spirit just interrupts in joy. And they just experience joy and they rejoice. And it's a beautiful moment. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit will respond to the things around you with great joy. He'll produce joy in you. He will talk to your spirit. The, our, you know, the Holy Spirit bears witness with, with our spirit, Romans 8. They have con- he has conversations with us. And, and he just says, hey, do you see that beautiful sunset? Wow, do you, do, you see, do you understand what God's doing here? And we can just find joy in life. He triggers joy within us. And we'll see today how he does that in many, several ways. Many, several ways. Now, one thing, this does not mean that, that we're walking in the Spirit that joy is always the overriding fruit. Sometimes the Spirit produces peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. Today we're talking about those moments when He allows us to feel His incredible joy. So, five specific trigger points of joy this morning. We're just going to run through these. We'll start in 2 Timothy 1. I thank God, whom I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in... uh, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Paul writing about Timothy. That he would be filled with joy when he saw Timothy again. Let me just say this, you can trigger joy in me. You can trigger joy in me, and I don't mean that in the context that you can trigger joy in me. I mean, I mean it in the context really like this, is that we can trigger joy in each other. 
Like turn to somebody behind you or, or in front of you and say, you can trigger joy in me. Like you can, right? Find somebody that you know, you're not married to or something or living with, but say, you can trigger joy in me and you can. Now it's true, I agree with what Paul said. You guys trigger joy in me. Boy, I get so much joy. Boy, our men's Bible study has just given me so much joy. I could start calling the men out by, by name, you know, Rick and Steve and, 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 and Jeff and, and Derek and, and Don and, and all the guys that come out, Wayne. Um, but I mean, I've seen so much growth in these guys and we're studying the Bible and it's just amazing the things they see in Scripture and it's like, yeah, I didn't see that. That's, that's a really powerful insight and it's just amazing. And so we can trigger joy in each other. And this is not unique to Timothy now. He, he, he mentions this to other people. In fact, here's one example. Second, 1 Thessalonians 2. Here's what he wrote to the Thessalonians. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Both like in the future and today, you bring us incredible joy. The, the church at Thessalonians, and they were a stronger church. I don't know that he ever said this about the Corinthians. Maybe they didn't bring him as much joy. But the Thessalonians, one of the stronger churches that he, that he uh, ministered with and ministered to, and they brought him incredible joy. What an, what an amazing testimony. We live today in a world where we're very isolated, right? We have all the social media things going, but we live very isolated lives, and we kind of solve our own problems and keep to ourselves, and we get together for, you know, a, a, few, a few hours on Sunday morning, maybe. We maybe have our small groups. We get together and study the Bible and such, but we, we live a lot of our lives kind of privately, and yet we need to sometimes maybe recognize how much joy we do find in each other and how important each other we are to each other just being more intentionally grateful would be so powerful so paul experienced joy in the spiritual growth of others and we can do that as people help us grow we can find joy in that as people help me grow in my walk as i as i help people grow in their walk as i see people growing as i see people coming to christ wow that's an amazing thing while satan is the joy robber the spirit is the joy trigger and he will trigger joy in our relationships number two holy moments can trigger joy in me holy moments can trigger joy in me you know what what do i mean by a holy moment i'm i'm thinking about those times when we experience god in a special way now it might, might seem it might seem crazy because because god is right here and we should experience all the all the time 24 7 but, but there is this, this thing where we just sometimes in our life experience God in a very special way. I'm talking about daily God encounters. Like Psalms 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There is something about us getting up every morning and just being able to say, today, God made today, God ordained today, God, God is, has, has gone before me into today, God knows what's gonna happen today and I just need to look for God and I can encounter him throughout my day in so many amazing, um, it's simply a mindset here that we wake up with this, this kind of mindset. In the past, VBSs we used to, used to do years ago, they used to do this thing called God sightings, right? And we would just tell the kids to go out and, and, and just look for a God sighting somewhere around them. 
when we are walking in the Spirit, this will happen more than we expect. We will see God at work. We will, we will experience His presence and His glory and subsequently be filled with joy. And this is really understood in the beauty of creation. We've talked about this before, right? But you know how it's like today, you're just driving down the road and someone stops and they see a beautiful sunset and they capture that sunset and they post it on Facebook and it gets all of these oohs and ahs all over Facebook because it's a beautiful sunset. And my point today is to say that if you know Christ as your Savior, you can experience that on a deeper level. Like the Holy Spirit can speak to your spirit and say, wow, our Creator did that. Like your Redeemer did that. And it's like we can, it resonates with us on a deeper level than those who don't know Christ. And, and if we don't know Christ, it's like our, we have a spirit. Our spirits, you know, can respond to creation, right? Romans tells us that. We're held accountable because uh, we can see God in creation. And so we can respond in that way and say, wow. And it can point us to the creator. But if you don't know him personally, if you, have you haven't put your faith and trust in him, it's just not going to be the same thing. It's just not. So what an incredible thought about. How about this? I'm thinking about surprise God, surprise God encounters as well. Like some of these holy moments are just surprise God encounters. Like how about the wise men who are traveling and, and they've been traveling for months to see the baby Jesus. They, they arrive there in Bethlehem and surprise, no one knows nothing about a newborn king. And they're like, whoa. And they're just like, like the wind is knocked out of their sail. Like what do we do next? And then out of the blue, um, oh, that's, that's the wrong reference. That's, that's, sorry. I'll tell that story in a minute. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> that's another illustration. This is a different surprise that God encounter here. Uh, Luke 24. This is the disciples. And I thought this was really fascinating because the disciples here are going to watch Jesus leave them in Luke 24, 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And that just blew me away. It's like Jesus just waved goodbye and they were filled with great joy. How is that? Well, the Spirit gives us joy. The Spirit can help us find joy. And there was two angels that came along and said, hey, what are you looking in the sky for? He's gonna come back. Go, go back home and get to the work of spreading the gospel. Go out and do his work. And I'm sure at that moment, they left with great joy. They probably thought, well, hey, he'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back next week, right? <laughs> and 2,000 years later, we're hoping he comes back in our lifetime. And I'm hoping you're ready for him to come back because he may come back in our lifetime. And I hope you're ready if he does. But what an amazing thing there that they found this and, and it's like he didn't leave. This is what's fascinating when you read it. It doesn't sound like he like he left like he's like like he left in a in a blink of an eye. It's like they watched him kind of sail away into a cloud and then disappeared. It says in Acts, he disappeared into a cloud and they saw all that. And um, yeah, but you know, for them, this was like the the greatest confirmation yet of who Jesus was, right? Like they had the miracles, they had the transfiguration, they had the resurrection, they believed who he, he said who he was. But now it's like, yep, <laughs> yeah, I guess he really is who he said he is. And they watched him ascend and that was a pretty powerful a moment. And then thinking about personal God encounters as well. These holy moments are just personal God encounters. This is, this is like Psalm 1611. 
you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness, excuse me, of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And there is just, in your presence there is fullness of joy. What a simple statement, what a profound reality, what an often missed opportunity. Like the psalmist is saying that there is, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Where is God's presence? 24-7, God's presence is right here in my life. Like there's nowhere I, I go and no, nothing I go through that it can't be a holy moment and I can't experience the, the joy of the presence of God. Part of the problem is we just do not slow down and look for those holy moments. Let me, let me just read this from Brett McCracken, the Wisdom Pyramid. The Wisdom Pyramid. He wrote in 2021, Beauty and Sabbath go hand in hand. Both are extravagant, unproductive, unnecessary. Both are reflections of God's abundance and reminders that the world is chiefly a gift to receive, not a prize to be earned. Beauty doesn't have to exist. The fact that humans delight in sunsets, symphonies, and pecan pie can not be explained by the Darwinian account of human existence. The only explanation that makes sense of beauty is that we are created in the image of God who relishes it. A non-utilitarian God. Not, just look at the 10,000 species of birds in the world or the 400,000 species of flowers, each unique in color, shape, and texture. Consider the diversity of spices from cumin to cayenne to nutmeg to turmeric. God could have created the world so that humans only needed to have a bland, gruel-like substance in order to survive, but he didn't. He created thousands of edible plants and animals from which millions of culinary combinations could be made. He created humans with taste buds to appreciate things like salted caramel gelato, buttermilk fried chicken, and lamb tagine, whatever that is. Just as he is a God who not only creates but pauses to enjoy what he has created. So he created us with the capacity to enjoy. That's why beauty exists. When we refuse to observe the Sabbath and don't allow space for the enjoyment of beauty, we implicitly signal a mentality that doubts the goodness of God. But when we do stop to rest, to feast, to smell the roses, we display a contentedness and calm acceptance about the world and the one who holds it together. What a great, what a great thought. Just to stop and take the time so we can encounter God all around us in his goodness and take the time to say thank you. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Again, while Satan is the joy robber and he's doing all these things so that we will not stop and smell the roses, that we'll be overwhelmed with life, that we'll have a bad attitude, the Spirit is here trying to trigger joy in us at every turn. Matthew 2, 9 through 10. This is what I was talking about earlier. So those wise men, right? They traveled for months. And now no one knows anything about this newborn king. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it, ro- when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Let me just tell you today, unexpected blessings can trigger joy in me. And this is similar to holy moments. They're kind of similar, but a little deeper on this thought here. Just unexpected blessings, out of the blue blessings can trigger joy in me. And like for those wise men, it's like, what do we do next? And then all of a sudden, here's God. Boom. Here's a star. There's where the Christ child is. And they erupt with exceeding joy at that moment. And uh, I'm sure the first star was pretty much the same. Like, 
They didn't expect to see it when they saw it. They knew about it. They, they were ready for it. But it's like when they saw it, it's like, wow, look at this star. Unexpected blessings can trigger joy in our life. Now, the first question you might, you might say is, are we talking about material or financial blessings here? Well, yes and no. Let, let me tell you a story. So let's say, let's say uh, Wayne, you're my, you'll be my uh, star of this. The, Wayne goes on a game show, Price is Right, and Wayne wins a brand new car. Woohoo! Now, Wayne's already got three cars, and they're pretty good shape, and he doesn't really need a car. Like his are like 2019, 2020 model. He's got a couple cars. So he doesn't really need a car, but he, he's happy. Like I won this car and he's happy. It's not like this deep abiding joy, like, whew. but he's happy. I want a new car. That's great. Now let's say that Wayne knows somebody in his circle of influence, a single mom maybe who's got three kids. Her husband just left her and, uh, and she just totaled her vehicle. And she's just really struggling to get by. And so Wayne comes along and Wayne talks it over with Lisa, and they agree, we're going to give this car to this woman. And they give the car to the woman. This woman is not just happy about this car. This woman is like joyful. If this woman knows Christ, she's got a deep and abiding joy here because she sees what? The fingerprints of God all over this transaction, all over this blessing. It's like God's fingerprints. Like God did this amazing thing to me. And before, you know, she's not just happy, she's full of joy. And you know what, what else, by extension? Wayne over here was happy with the car before. You know what Wayne is now? He's joyful. Like there's joy in giving. So yeah, thank you, Wayne. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good illustration of, of joy versus happiness. But, but, but these unexpected blessings, they can be material or financial if we see God's fingerprints all over them. If we see, um, if we see, uh, uh, how would I say that? If we see the fingerprints of God on them and the provision of God in them, yes, they can create joy in my life. We're talking about here is these unexpected blessings are spiritual blessings. They are like the spiritual blessings. But here's the reality. Like spiritual things are sometimes hard to see, right? Like like the physical, like all my problems can be like physical. Like I got a broken down car and, you know, I, I've got a, a problem, you know, I got laid off at work or I've got a financial, or I've got a broken, all these things. It's easy to see all these physical struggles I have. All my spiritual blessings over here are kind of like they're spiritual. It's like hard to see them. Like God's here, but I don't see them or I don't feel him right now, right? And so that, that is kind of the challenge at times. And so these unexpected blessings though, they are spiritual blessings and we need to look and we need to to recognize the spiritual blessings in my life finding god's deeper purpose will bring me a deeper joy just know that that in your life finding god's deeper purpose in your life will bring you a deeper joy here's a verse we've heard it a hundred times let's hear it 101 times today james chapter 1 verse 2 count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So count it all joy. Now here's the thing. We are complete in Christ. We are perfect and whole in Christ. We have his identity, but we are lacking. Like we are lacking in our life, right? Where are we lacking? 
Well, the reality is we're lacking when it comes to how we appropriate our spiritual blessings, how we practice our faith, how we live out our identity. That's what God's doing in our life. He's working in our life so that we can take this identity, this character, who we are, all of our spiritual blessings, and we can practice them. He's working that out in my life. Let's be honest, we all know more biblical truth than we probably practice. So we go through these difficult times so that our character can be developed and we learn to put more of our faith into practice. The more adversity we face, the more we learn, for instance, to trust in Christ's strength and not our own flesh. So here's Romans 5. Paul weighs in on Romans 5 and listen to what, he gives a little more context, a little more clarity. Romans 5.1, therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Oh, there is so incredibly much in there. But he's saying the character that we want, the character we all desire, like it is developed, it grows in us. But it takes time, it takes trial, it takes trouble. And we can develop this stronger character. Now he gives us two sides of the same coin here that I think is fascinating. Like one side is our potential. What's our potential? What does he say? That the love of, of, of Christ has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love of God, which is the essence of God, which is where all the fruit of the Spirit comes from. Like all of that, all, the love of God, all the potential for all the fruit of the Spirit has been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. That's your potential. But then he goes on and gives us the process. And the process is what? Well, we go through adversity. We go through hardship. We go through difficulty where we learn to flesh out who we are. In fact, I love how it's, I, I use this, the New American Translation there because of what it says. It says, it says that, I think it's, I'm not sure, this is a, this is the, uh, a different translation, but it says it produces proven character and proven character produces hope. Like what we go through proves the character that I have. It proves who I am in Christ. It's developing who I am in Christ. So it's proven character. Let me just go back to that. See, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And so, and so the, the adversity I go through, the struggle I go through is proving who I am in Christ. It's proving the character that I have in Christ. And there's the potential and there is the process and together it, it leads to this proven character. And this is what God's doing in my life. And, and these unexpected blessings is when I go through difficulty, it's like, yeah, I'm finding my deeper purpose in Christ. I'm, I'm finding the, the meaning of what I'm going through, of the struggles I'm going through as it makes me more like Christ. And sometimes we need to expect the unexpected, like those, like those reality shows always say. If you watch Survivor, it's like, expect the unexpected. Or some of these other shows, and it's like, that just basically means we can change the rules however we want, whenever we want. <laughs> expect the unexpected. We need to expect that in our life. It's just God is always working. Whatever we go through, expect that God 
can do amazing things there. Let me show you something fascinating, just four simple areas here. As we think about unexpected blessings in our day, let me give you four words here that all kind of relate, but here's a quote first. Here's Ben Patterson, campus pastor at Westmont College. Um, Gratitude and joy are the twin children of grace. Organically joined both theologically and spiritually. In the, in the Greek, they are also related linguistically. The word for grace, gratitude, and joy all have the same root char, a noun in the Greek that refers to health and well-being. I'm going to take it a step further from his quote, though. We'll call them the trip, triplet children of grace. But he says, what is merely a linguistic relationship in the Greek is, is a burning reality in the kingdom of God. So look at these four words. We talked about this a little bit in the past. But I'm going to expand on it today. Grace is uh, charis. Charis. I have a hard time uh, with other languages, so uh, I've said that before. But grace is charis. And then gratitude is uh, euharistia, or euharistos, or euharistio. There's, there's three versions of that you find. And then there is, and then there is the, this word uh, gifts, is charisma, where you, you get like the charismatic, the charisma charismatic movement charisma for gifts and then finally joy is uh hurrah like hurrah we won hurrah i think it's pretty cool joy has hurrah you have these words and then we can just see them kind of interspersed in scripture and let the peace of god rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful you haristos or Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, haris, in your your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, you harisio, to God the Father through him. They all have that same root word. Here's another example in Romans. Having gifts, harisma, that differ according to the grace, haris, given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if, if service in our serving. And we see these words. One other example is 1 Thessalonians 3. What thanksgiving, euharistia, can we return to God for you for all the joy, hurrah, that we feel for your sake before our God. And, and there's something beautiful here, and it's the point that God's gifts and my gratitude and the Spirit's gift, God's grace, my gratitude and the Spirit's gifts can all produce joy in my life. And these are the unexpected blessings. Like, we need to go through the day and look for God's grace in unexpected ways. Go through your day and look for opportunities to express gratitude. And and go through your day and look for ways to use your spiritual gifts for the kingdom. And that'll produce joy in your life. It just will. And they're all related by that that, uh, core word there that talks about your health and I think that's, I love that word for joy though, hurrah. Like hurrah! That's a great one. I love that. And these are all the simple joy triggers of life. Again, while Satan is the joy robber, the spirit is the joy trigger looking to help us discover joy all throughout our day. And here is number four. The truth can trigger joy in me. That's right, this right here. This right here can trigger joy in you Why you need to be in it. I need to read it every day because if you're feeling down, just read the word. Now, let's be honest. The word doesn't always produce joy. We've talked about this. Like sometimes the word produces peace. I've used that illustration before that people have gone in with high blood pressure. All they do is read some scripture. They retake their blood pressure and it's dropped. So the word can do that. Word's a powerful thing. The spirit of God is in this book here. 
And when we read it, it can do amazing things. And it can trigger joy in me. It most certainly can. And if you're feeling down, if you're upset about something, get your joy back. Just get into the Word of God. I love this, this verse here. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And freedom will make us joyful. Like If we're being lied to and the enemy will lie to us and then he'll steal from us. He'll lie to us about something and then steal our joy. And the Spirit will come along and tell us the truth. He'll tell us the truth about our trial, the truth about ourself, the truth about our sin, the truth about our circumstance, the truth about himself, the truth about eternity and our hope. And he'll give us the, the low down the truth and he'll just fill us with joy if we'll just listen. John 3. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so John just found incredible joy just because his spiritual children were walking in the truth. Like that brought him joy. Like he knew how much joy the truth brought him. And so when they were walking in the truth, it gave him more joy. It's like, I'm so glad you're walking in the truth because I know what that means to your life. And I know the joy that can produce in your life and the growth that can produce in your life and the stability that can bring to your life. How beautiful is that? Sometimes the word may be an unexpected blessing in your day. Sometimes it may be a holy moment in your day. All I know is the word of God can bring joy. I've been preaching now, I was thinking this week, just about 25 years I've been preaching. I'm like, how does the time fly? And I can say that I love preaching more than ever and I love studying the Bible more than ever. I just love digging into the word and... uh, I get in some arguments with God. I got in some arguments yesterday. It's like I shouldn't say that, but it's like I get frustrated. It's like, God, why do you just let me see this? And then, and then God always lets me see what I need to see in time. And, and I walk away mar- marveling at what he let me see and what was frustrating me. And um, it's an amazing, God will, hopefully God's doing that in your life. That you get in the word, you read it, and you just experience the joy as God shows you things. As God, what's so amazing is the scriptures were written two, three, four thousand years ago. You got these psalms written like three or four thousand years ago, and you read them, and they speak to us in real time today and bring us joy. It's like, how does that work? Because it's God's word. It's not any word. This is God's word. This is the God of the universe speaking to us and you got the holy spirit inside translating what you read and telling you hey this is what you're reading and this is what you're going through and this is your circumstance and and it can all erupt in joy first thessalonians 1 6 and you became imitators of us and of the lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia in Achaia. What a great testimony of the Thessalonians, right? That they went through a great affliction, but they received the truth. They received the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you more insight on just that in a minute. But here's the thing. The truth of the word will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Just know that. And sometimes it'll be peace and sometimes it'll give us more patience and sometimes it'll give us more self-control and sometimes it'll give us more kindness or more faithfulness and often it will give us the joy we need to make it through life. Give me one other example here, Jeremiah 15, 
O Lord, the prophet Jeremiah writing, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And so here's Jeremiah who's facing opposition, who's first facing persecution. And yet he says, you know that I went to your word and I read and I feasted on your word and I took it into my heart and into my soul. And what's so amazing here is the word that brought the Thessalonians adversity and Jeremiah persecution also brought them joy. And more on this in a minute. You'll see the significance of that statement when we wrap up today. But isn't it it just incredible? Like the Thessalonians were believing the gospel and part of that was the reason they were facing adversity. And And Jeremiah preaching God's truth as God told him to, as a prophet, faced persecution. And yet that very word brought them joy at the same time. Uh, Here's some commentary from David Guzik I thought was great. Jeremiah first found God's word, neither neglecting it nor taking it for granted. Jeremiah then ate God's word, taking it in as food for the soul and receiving refreshment and nourishment from it. And Jeremiah then regarded God's word as the joy and rejoicing of his heart. He delighted upon the word of God and did so in his innermost being. And then he has two quotes from Spurgeon. I have said that Jeremiah let us into his secret. His outer life consisting in his perpetual faithful ministry was to be accounted for his inward love of the word which he preached. And then this one. It is a very different thing from saying, thy word was found and I did admire it. Or thy word was found and I did criticize it. Or thy word was found and I did divide it and make a sermon of it. That is a minister's temptation. No, I found the word and I... I feasted on it. I took it into my soul and into my heart. I let it change me and transform me and feed me. Let me give you one last trigger point today. John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How do you bear a lot of fruit? Walk in the Spirit, feast off the tree of life. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will, will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And listen to verses 9 and 10 here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You want to to know where you're going to find a more joyful life? A fruitful life is a joyful life. Fruitfulness can trigger joy in me. As I start to produce the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, meekness, self-control, as I produce those things in my life, as I see them growing in my life, as I see, not that I'm growing them, but as I see myself bearing them, as the Spirit produces them, that just brings me joy. That just brings me incredible joy. Fruitfulness can trigger joy in me. And, and that's, that's the beautiful reality, that fruitfulness can trigger joy in me. The more fruit that I bear, the more joy I'm going to know. 
It's just a fact. And we all want to live fruitful lives. We all want the abundant life, which is the fruitful life. We all want to be more patient. We all want to be more peaceful. We all want to be more kind. We all want to have more self-control. Yeah, put down that donut. I'm about five days in without drinking any pop, so hey, if I'm, <laughs> yeah, hope I give it now. I think I am. I'm, I'm drinking uh, flavored water, so I got some water enhancers. And, but you know, maybe, maybe next Sunday I'll have to say, no, I'm back on, but no. Pop's a terrible thing to drink. It's, yeah, do ask me. Seriously, ask me. No, I'm pretty committed. I'm like, but, but the fact is, the more we all want to bear more fruit, and the more... Uh, the more fruit I bear, the more joy I will know. And, and um, I, I, maybe I put this somewhere else, but, but anyway, we'll, um, we'll hit it when I get there. Today's big idea, with Satan, while Satan is the joy robber, the spirit is the joy trigger. So what do we learn today before I give you one last thought? Uh, you can trigger joy in me, like we can trigger joy in each other, we simply can. By, by being who we are and helping each other grow. Uh, holy moments can trigger joy in me, those moments when I just am surprised by God, when I have a personal encounter. I just see God in that sunset. I see God in the scriptures. I just see God and it's like, whoa, God is speaking to me. Or how about those unexpected blessings that come along? And if I am just intentionally more grateful, if I'm just intentional to use the gifts God has given me to give away that car like Wayne did or whatever it might be, if I'm just intentional, I'm going to experience more joy. Look for those unexpected opportunities. We could even say, maybe we should have said, unexpected opportunities can bring joy in me when I seize them. And then the truth can trigger joy in me. Just get in the word, read the truth. It can trigger joy. And then fruitfulness can trigger joy in me. Fruitfulness certainly can trigger joy in me. Let me give you this passage here in Nehemiah as we wrap up. Nehemiah 8 9, uh, 8 8. And so they, they've gathered back together. If you know the story of Nehemiah, they're rebuilding the walls after they've been in captivity for like 70 years. They're rebuilding these walls now. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord, to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. They've, they've rebuilt the wall, they discovered the law, they read the law, they're like, Whoa, we're really violating God's law. We're, we're missing the mark here. It's kind of like us looking in the mirror and saying, Wow, I'm just not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Whoa, is me. For all the people, wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength like a holy day is a day to celebrate. It's a day of joy. And he says the joy of the Lord is your strength and that's such a powerful statement. I don't think we know how powerful that statement really is and it really resonated with me today. So the Levites claimed, all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. They understood the word of God and they realized we can celebrate, we can rejoice. God is merciful and gracious and kind. And they were filled with joy. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Like that's like amazing, like their joy now, this is down in chapter 12 and their joy now is spreading all over the place. They're so full of joy, everybody can hear. 
Those Israelite people are really having a celebration there. But here's the thing, really. Joy is not just the fruit of the Spirit. It is the food for my soul. That's the point. Like it's not just the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that I take and I feed myself and it is food for my soul. Food for my soul. Now think about, let's, 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 let's end with this. I want us to grasp the power of what is being said here in this passage. I want us to grasp the power of what it means that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It goes back to Romans 5 and the potential plus process passage. Romans 5 wraps it up, 5, 5 says this, The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Think about what that means for us as Christians. The love of God, which is the very essence of God, from where all the fruit of the Spirit derives, has been poured into our hearts. It's all in here, and this is then my potential. But there is also a process, isn't there? It is a process that involves enduring adversity and struggles and at times even persecution for our faith. Note, though, what the Holy Spirit does. Note what this first flavor is that follows love. The first flavor is joy. And it is this deep and abiding joy that gives me the strength to endure the adversity so that I can do and endure and bear even more fruit, become even more fruitful. Joy then allows the Holy Spirit to produce more peace in me as well as patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and so on. The joy of the Lord will be my strength if I will allow it to be and help me live a more fruitful life. And so then, here's the point. And I didn't put it on the screen. That's what's throwing me off here. The joy, think about this. The joy is the super fruit that helps me produce other fruit. Joy is a superfruit that helps me produce other fruit. And so just think about that reality. Like, that's what the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I go through adversity, through that, through that process that's helping me develop this character, joy is my strength. It's the superfruit that I feast on so that I can become more fruitful. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in our life. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for your unexpected blessings. Thank you for those holy moments. Thank you, Lord, for our church family, for each other as we build each other up, and what an amazing thing that is. And Lord, just thank you again for your love that produces the joy, that is the super fruit that allows me to live and, and bear all the fruit that is an abundant life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. amen.